in the back of my mind, like I said, that one incident, if I'd have been the first car out there, who knows if I had gone into the intersection, into the intersection. and been T-boned or whatever. Right. So that was just the biggest wake-up call for me. I, I prayed. I prayed that, you know, that I'm lucky that that wasn't the, the case. Buckle up! You're listening to Terminal Exchange. Hey everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 48 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation. I hope you all enjoyed the bonus Thanksgiving episodes from our chaplain, Jim Ravel. I thought those were so good, and um, but I also hope that you all had an enjoyable Thanksgiving uh, wherever you were. Uh, I know I had a good time with our family enjoying dinner and just uh, time together uh, with each other, so... But we are back this week with an important exchange that I would bet many of you can or maybe even should identify with to at least some extent. Newsbomb driver Richard Jones has a pretty incredible story that truly was life-changing for him. And most of this exchange is simply him walking us through that story. If you have trouble sleeping, if you're a regular snorer, if you constantly feel fatigued, if your spouse has indicated that you stop breathing in your sleep, If any of these are true, you might have sleep apnea. It may not seem like such a big deal, but but let this exchange be your wake-up call. Don't wait around any longer. Like many others have done already, you could almost instantly improve your quality of life. And especially for you drivers, you have an even greater responsibility to take care of your health and improve your sleep quality. So listen here to Richard Jones' story about the wake-up call that saved his life. Mr. Jones, Richard Jones, how are you? Good. Good. Hey, glad that you could stop in here uh, this morning and uh, tell us a little bit about your story. I know you've got some um, very um, important things to share regarding sleep apnea, uh, your experience with with that and and everything. But but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about just you being in being a truck driver, getting into the industry, uh, getting here to Newsbomb and everything as well. So uh, you've been with Newsbomb uh, for about seven years now, right? Yes, sir. And uh, how long have you been in the industry? About ten years. Ten years. Okay. Now, what got you into into driving? I uh, left my last job, had a wild hair, and I said, "You know what? I think I want to get my CDL." Uh, I was out of work for about a month before I went to go get my CDL. Okay. Got my CDL. I, I learned how to drive back on the farm out in Arizona, so okay. I knew how yeah. to drive. I just never had a license. So, sure. Uh, I enjoy traveling. That interests me. Yep. So got involved, got in with a company, and learned about Nussbaum, and I put my application in. They're never hiring because they never had turnover. <laughs> so one day, I guess they had some some people retiring or something like that, and they gave me a call, and 
They like my resume. And I've been here ever since. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I mean, yeah. Cause when you would have hired on, I mean, we were a smaller fleet even. So the other building and still. you were in, you came in at the old other building. Yeah. Um, but uh, how's the experience been for you so far? I mean, you're still here, so. <laughs> good, good. I mean, there's always ups and downs and stuff. But, of course. Um, I enjoy it. Like I said, compared to the company that I worked for before, totally yeah. different. Yeah. And I appreciate uh, everything and the attitudes and what this company offers and, and how how good they are to the drivers, how I feel they are good to the drivers. So Yeah, well, I mean, I've... I can't say I've heard any negative words about you. I seem like a very uh, great guy. I haven't had a whole lot of interaction with you personally, but you know, it's it's always good though when you're not hearing anything, anything negative. And uh, that's my that's my goal. I guess. Do your job, stay under the radar sometimes. <laughs> Tell me. Um, so you you said back. You, did you grow up in Arizona then? Yes. Okay. Boy, I'm thinking right now it's cold right here. How much <laughs> would you like to be <laughs> hanging out there right now? Be nice. <laughs> and but you live uh central illinois now right around here now so um what, what actually brought you to central illinois work okay yeah company i was working for there was bought out by a company out of chicago okay rr donnelly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i had an opportunity they were going to shut our facility down along with a couple other that they had of our plants that they had picked up and uh I had the opportunity to come to Mattoon, Illinois. Okay. Came there. Been in the industry for 23 years. and Yep. Yeah. Last <laughs> couple of years were rough with a couple new managers, and it was, you know what, I don't need this, and I'm gone. Yeah. And it was easy for me to just walk away. Yeah. I wish I'd have done it five years before that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I think my stress level would be. You know, the stress level at that point would have yeah, been yeah. much better for my health. Let's put it that way. I understood. Long story. Yeah. So, well, let's talk a little bit about um, your health situation. Now, honestly, and for our listeners here, I'm coming into this actually uh, not super familiar with, with your story um, mm-hmm. here. Uh, Rick came to me and said, uh, Rich has this incredible story here of, with dealing with sleep apnea. Uh, actually, I was just talking to him before we started recording and uh, he mentioned, you know, talking about some guys that were kind of resistant to uh, get doing the testing and, and all of this and, and, and mm-hmm. dealing with it. And he said something about you maybe had a comment about that. Like why, you know, why in the world would you not want not, to be tested? Not be tested. Oh yeah. Uh, well, like I said, my story is, my story is the ultimate, you know, like what I consider the ultimate um, growing up. I was married, what, at 1920 or something like that. Well, after a few years, you know, your wife, hey, you're starting to snore, you know, and all this and stuff, right? <laughs> and, you know, it was always it was always a, a joke. And um, later on, that few years ago, you know, the snoring gets worse. The kids are laughing about it now. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to deal with it, you know. Another X years. Wait a minute! You're not you're you're not breathing. I'm scared. You're not breathing. You know, um, I'm having to wake you up just to make sure you're taking a breath. Still in denial. Still in denial mm-hmm. the whole time. But I 
was in the back of my mind realizing some of the things that were that I was having problems with, right? The fatigue, um, concentration sometimes, uh, my body just wasn't feeling right, whatever else. Still in denial, right? Still in denial. For the last like four or five years before my first sleep study, I was at a point where you're at home, you're sitting in a chair. I could fall asleep sitting like that because my body was so tired. Mm-hmm. And at work, I could be at my computer desk. And if I'm out, if I'm on my screen for too long, you know, I could be asleep in, in a heartbeat. My eyes were closed. Wow. Uh, I had the luxury as being a middle manager. I had five departments under me. So I, I moved around a lot. Let's put it that way. So that helped me get through my day, you know, sure. multitasking or whatever. But at the end of the day, I lived 15 miles from where I worked. My doctor's office was right between. I would have to stop maybe twice, three times during the week, work week. Stop. I'm buckled up in my my seatbelt, right, and sitting straight up, take a nap. Now I'm only seven miles from home, but I had to stop and take a nap. I was so tired. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Sleep could be five minutes, get a boost of energy to drive the rest of the way home. 10 minutes could be an hour did that for like four to five years wow scary okay so the end of that what pushed me to okay make that make that move to get tested right and and one day i was in in the parking lot my doctor doctor's office and he comes knocking on the door sir jones what's what's going on you know i'm just getting a rest he goes we need to test you yeah, 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 okay, okay. It was about two weeks later. After work, I had to run into town, do an errand for my wife. I'm on my way home. I'm at a stoplight. I'm like the third car back. I fall asleep. Mm. And I gently roll into the car in front of me. Mm. It scared me. Pulled over, you know, the uh, the two kids in the car. There was no damage because it was just like a small bump. Right. I just rolled into it. I said, let's call the authorities. Said, no, no, no. You said, and, and I noticed, again, these guys, they're two college kids, drunk, right? They didn't mm. want to have anything to do with any <laughs> officers or officials or anything like that, right? Okay, so that, that right there was just a wake-up call for me. Right. Next morning, I was on the phone to my doctor. The end of that week, thir- or Thursday, Thursday night, I had my first sleep study. I told him, this has to happen now. And um, during that, during my first sleep study, I think it was with, within the first hour or two, they, you know, after they hooked the electrodes up and all that other stuff to you, you know, ask you a few questions, let you go to sleep. They stopped the test and they put a CPAP on me because my numbers were so bad. Mm. My the number of apnea episodes I had were so bad. And it was, I was having them every three minutes up to a minute long. I was not breathing. Wow. Yeah. And I think my oxygen, I can't remember what my oxygen number was, but it was super low. And the guy says, this is bad. 
we got to get you going. I wasn't going to let you go any further. He says, I said, I understand your problem. So put me on the CPAP machine. Okay, next day, doctor office calls. Hey, we're going to order you a machine because once they put me on the machine that through the test, I didn't have any apnea episodes. That morning, I woke up, and the next day, I felt pretty good, you know? Felt rested. Without the, without the, the uh, machine, the CPAP machine, I was never able to get into REM sleep at all. Right. But once I, once they put that machine on me, I was. So again, if you read about it or whatever, it's that REM. When you get into that good REM sleep is when your body gets rested, right? Is when you, you know, you're doing good. Um, so the next day, by that evening, I had somebody hitting the house with a machine, setting it up for me or whatever else. So I know, you know, in the back of my mind, like I said, that one incident, if I had been the first car out there, who knows if I had gone into the, intersection into the intersection and been T-boned or whatever. Right. So that was just the biggest wake-up call for me. I, I, prayed, I prayed that, you know, that I'm lucky that that wasn't the, the case. So, again, there's a lot of things that, a lot of symptoms that, that that were highlighted for me. But, again, I was just in denial. Why? You know, I don't know why I was in denial. Um, first of all, I didn't know a lot about it, the education part of about it. Not mm-hmm. not like nowadays. Nowadays, it's all out there. Everybody knows about it. Um, but, uh, you know, the symptoms were all there. Everything that, that, that you read about now is I, uh, everything. How long ago? Was this at what point in time are we talking here? So this was while you were at uh, in Mattoon. Oh yeah, uh, R. Donnelly. This is in the mid. Uh, my worst part was between two thousand and two thousand and six. Okay, okay. So I wore once I got on the CPAP machine. Oh my gosh, it was like night and day. Okay, my story progresses from there. And, you know, for me, it gets worse. But because I was so bad. Let's say physically, right? In that, after I got on the CPAP machine, they they went in and did a couple surgeries on me as well, right? They removed my uvula, my tonsils, to open up the airway back there to see if that would help, help at all. Mm, didn't help quite much, right? So my pressures had to keep uh, being raised mm. over that five to six years. My problem was I kept the pressures were so high I kept getting. Uh, ear aches, ear infections. It was just hurting. And when you say pressures, you're talking about the, the machine itself. The machine the, itself. The air. Yeah. Um, and again, for me, they, they told me again, you're, you know, you're not the norm. <laughs> you're, you're outside that norm. Right. But the importance of the whole thing, I did get relief, but over the years, as I got older, my body continued to change or whatever else. And, and I had continued problems with it. And through that period that I wore the CPAP machine, it, it takes time to get adjusted to it. Back in those days, they didn't have a lot of options. I think there were only two options for masks. Mm. Are you kidding me? Now I hear there's like 10 or 10 yeah, of them. Custom or, fitted and everything. More. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, back then you, you tried this for a while and then you went to this. And yeah, is it irritating on the head? Of, yeah, you got to just got to get used to it. But once you learn that you're how 
good your body feels. Oh my gosh, you 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 do it, yeah. you know. Be, and it, and it's not only for you know it is for your sleep. It's for your health. It's for your family. It's for everything else. Because there are a lot of people that just die of heart attacks through the night because they stop breathing. Period. You know. And if you're if you're not if you're not thoughtful enough to to want to do this for yourself, do it for your family. You know, that's what's the message is. You got to do something. Don't just let it go. You know, that's, you know, that's my message. You know, there's so many things that uh, don't, don't just get tied up in the denial of, Oh, you know, this means I'm going to do this. Who cares? Do it. Nobody's going to see you while you're sleeping. You're going to wear this. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it it doesn't matter. You know, I, I just, that's my message. Yeah. And I, and I can tell you from my experience. So my wife uses a CPAP machine and, you know, she'll strap it on at night, you know, when she's ready to lay down, get in bed and mm-hmm. go to sleep, puts it on. She's probably asleep in a matter of a couple minutes. And uh, she does just fine with that on at night. doesn't change anything for us. And I, I know she sleeps better mm-hmm. with that on because there's nights when she doesn't get to use it and yeah. she's you know on the couch with the kids or something whatever uh, and even if it, if a, one of our little ones you know crawls up into bed with us she she leaves it on the kids are used to it you know it, it doesn't change that uh, you know, the interaction uh, that, yep. that you have otherwise so that yeah. that's that, and that's my personal experience yeah. uh, there but so and, and like you know you're, you get used to it your spouse will love you more for it because you once you go to sleep and you're getting a good night's sleep, they're not worrying about, hey, you're not breathing and you're snoring or whatever. Right. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would wake them up. So that's uh, that's kind of my story behind it. Now, like I said, after X years of wearing the CPAP and the pressure's going so high, because of my, my body, um, the doctor started, you know, trying to come up with some different things for me, right? So there were some surgeries that they wanted to talk about. So I've had a couple major surgeries. First one I'll talk about is they first looked at trying to uh, move my Heimlich bone and muscle forward. So they took the bottom of my jaw, cut it, moved it forward a little bit. Hmm. Okay. At that same time, again, the idea was to pull these muscles forward to help pull open the up the air passage. Away. Yeah, and at the same time, to give me relief because they knew where I was struggling with it, um, they put a trach tube in me. Mm. Okay, that that was a that was a wake up call for me because I didn't know they were going to do that going into it. Wow! Thank God they did because that surgery did not help me. But the trach tube, it felt like I was 20 years old again. Wow. The, the airway, the breathing, it was just, it was phenomenal. I never knew how good I could feel, right? Again, trach tube is not the hottest thing around, you know? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's tough, and uh, the maintenance on a, on a trach, if you've never been involved with it, it's a, it's a mess, right? It's it's just a hassle, the stigma behind it, you know, trying to live life with a with a trait too. It sucked. But it allowed me to breathe. Right? I didn't have to have the CPAP machine. I, it just 
at nighttime, I would just open the trach and I was okay. After a year, it was, okay, is there something else? We, we, you know, I'd like to get rid of this thing. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they came back. He, my my uh, ear, nose, and throat guy came back from a seminar in San Francisco. A guy from the Mayo Clinic up in Rochester had given a presentation about maxillofacial advancement, that they had noted that on maxillofacial advancement patients, they had noted that their breathing had improved 80 to 90% mm. for whatever reason, or not for whatever reason. Well, what, you know. Right, yeah. So he talked to him about me, had to get it approved through my through my insurance because they were out of network at the time. So uh, went up to the Mayo Clinic, did a sleep study for them, x-rays, MRI. The guy says, I think you're a good candidate. If, we, if you want to do this, I think we can do it. So basically what it is, is where they take the upper and lower jaw, they break it, and they move it forward. Mine, in my case, it was like 16 millimeters. Wow. And then hard, you know, bolt everything back together. At the same time, they did a tongue reduction on me. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, my eyes just about my, popped out. So, yeah, wow. My, my tongue was so wide, like in the back. So when I was resting or whatever, it was falling back and crowding uh-huh. crowding the airway as well. So they basically go in and cut like a keyway out, sew everything back in. Hmm. Okay. Jaws wired, the whole thing. Two days after I've had my surgery and... It's not the prettiest thing ever if you've ever seen what it looks like. But I could breathe without my trach. It was like, are you kidding me? Even with my mouth wired, everything else, I was breathing. Yeah. Okay, so go home. After like two weeks, they made me take another sleep study. After they took the, well, was it two weeks? No, it was longer than that because it wired. Right after they took the wires out. But once I did that, the guy says, there's nothing here. There's no, you didn't have one apnea. You were in REM all this, you know, the majority of that time. I go, I feel great. You don't know how much I, even though (laughs) I was still, you know, I was still struggling eating through the wires and stuff. Right. Anyhow, uh, let's take the trick tube out. He said, there you go. Pull it out. Pull it out. I was done. Cured. Like I said, I, I felt I was completely cured. And I, to this day, like I said, I would not be driving. I wouldn't risk my life. I wouldn't risk anybody else's life if I knew, you know, I was struggling or doing anything like that. I'm the worst case scenario. Again, the importance of not everybody's like me. Just like the doctor said, I think I was six out of the sixth person to ever have this done in that particular case. So, um, but other people who aren't like me can still live a normal life and and be functional, have better, you know, <laughs> you know, body controls or or you know whatever you want to that call it. That just sounds like a know? huge improvement in quality of life. Quality of life, yeah, exactly. And and again, not like I said, it's not for you. It's for your family too, and 
your kids and grandkids and everything else like that. Now, do you continue to, do, do you have any regular sleep studies that you still go back and do at all? Or? I haven't because I haven't struggled or I, I mean. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. What's your family's uh, reaction been? I mean. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's hilarious because before wearing a CPAP, you, the, you hear the machine or whatever else going on. Now that I didn't have a CPAP, but I was, I can hear my wife snore and she's waking me up now. It's, it's, her <laughs> snore. it's hilarious. Uh, it, it, but again, it's, it's, it's genetics as well. My son has sleep apnea. Okay. He got tested or young. Good. Um, so he's had his for like six years. He's 40, 40 now, I think. So, you know, he's, uh, he swears by it. They all know what I went through, mm-hmm. you know, so. But it's important. It's important for, like yeah. I said, not only for yourself, but for others. And in most cases, are it's just a matter of using the CPAP, and that's that's the end of the that's, story. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're an outlier. Exactly. <laughs> in that, exactly. as you said, you're you're a worst case scenario. But um, I mean, this complete. I mean, going through this, first of all, recognizing getting out of denial. Exactly. Getting tested, just facing that. Um, changed your life. Oh yeah. I like I said. I wish I would have done it five, ten years sooner, because through that period, I str- how much I struggled with it during that period. Mm-hmm. Like I said, at, at times at nighttime, I would because uh, I couldn't sleep. I'd be I'd go in the garage, sit in the car with the seatbelt on, sleeping, sitting straight up. That's not quality of life, you know. That sucked, but I did that. That's what I had to do. I ate and I drank to give me the energy. Was I overweight a little bit at that point? Oh, yeah, I was because I was compensating for the mm. lack of the lack of sleep, which was given, you know, I didn't have the energy. Yeah. So the importance behind behind those things like that, you know. Yeah. And it's just your overall like your body. You know, it affects sleep affects everything. And you know, I think we'll um, be talking separately outside of this, but sleep apnea, it's, I think, broadly um, just assumed that you're probably a large, overweight male oh. that and it, it, that's who has sleep apnea. That's not the case. That's not the case. That's not even, that's not you, even. I mean... I don't think... At all. I don't think I'm... You, I don't think I am. I describe but, you as an average build. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm describing that to anybody, you're, you're an average build, uh, you know, look to be in relatively good shape, but yet, and I was talking with Mitch earlier today, he said, knew somebody that probably weighed in about, you know, 140 pounds or so mm-hmm. sleep apnea, yeah. you know, had, had the sleep disorder. Yeah. It, it's so, all, so, it's so all it, in the physics of, of what's, what's in your throat yeah. and your respiratory system and stuff. I mean, it is it's what it is. So it, as it pertains to even just driving a truck, I mean, we won't get into the DOT regulations and, you know, all, all the stuff with FMCSA mm-hmm. and all that, but even if you just take on the personal responsibility of getting behind the wheel of any motor vehicle oh yeah, and in dealing with this condition, um, your encouragement to somebody that, is having issues with the sleep is, is tired, you know, is having their spouse tell them, Hey, you're not breathing well, or you're snoring a lot. You know, it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. 
what's what's the first step for them to get over that hurdle of of, of addressing that that concern? Well, like I said, the denial portion of it. You know, it, there. I don't know. I don't know why I had the. I guess that we always used to laugh at my stepfather because that's he he snorted so bad it was crazy, but we all we just laughed about it. Now I know he had sleep apnea. I wish we knew something about it back in the that day, but we never knew anything about it. We never talked to doctors about it. It was just oh he, he's an old man he's snoring, right? But he was always tired. He worked hard. We all worked hard back on the farm, but I think again he was he he had it you just have to get past that denial for whatever reason it is that stigma behind it and you know if if you want to have a good quality of life if you have any of the symptoms what what are identified as you know potential sleep apnea who cares talk to your doctor have the test done if they say you don't have it say la vie you know, <laughs> right. you get on with life. But, you know, just because you snore doesn't mean you have sleep apnea. It could be get an tested. indicator. Yes, it could be an indicator. But let the test tell you what that is. And if it means you're wearing a CPAP, who cares? You know, they're, mine was oh, mine was bigger than a shoebox. Now they're tiny. I, I, I will tell you this. And so portable. My wife's is... Um, Boy, how, how would I describe it? I mean, it's about the size of a, if you have like an iHome radio or something like that, you know, alarm clock, it's roughly about the size of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it contains the, the the water and everything and it doesn't make any noise. I mean, I don't hear it uh, unless something like doesn't get seated with the mask well or whatever. Then you start hearing the, the, yeah. the air blowing back. You know, she tried a couple different masks, found one that works, doesn't bother her at all. It's you know relatively comfortable. Mm-hmm. You get used to it pretty quickly, maybe about a week, and it's just normal. Um, so I mean, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have this big old contraption, you know, and and everything, yeah, okay, that's yeah, a little bit of a contraption, but it it yeah, it, the, it's not the, bad. Val- the value is worth it. I think, and 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 they, they've they've I think they've probably come a long way. Oh, over the I years was, here to, was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> to to I mean custom fitting for you know with different even whether using like the silicone rubber or the foam and what different mm-hmm. you know whatever works for you. Um, so I, the value of of get tested, figuring out what you need, yep. I think is is huge. Because if you were to answer me the question right now, if you had not been tested, if you had not faced that and, and gone through and done everything that you've done, where would you be right now? I wouldn't be driving a truck. I guarantee you that. And I'd be as scared to drive, just drive my car to and fro. Like I said, that one, that one incident, like I said, woke me up. You know, if, if that, thank God I wasn't that front car. That's what I think about. Yeah. Cause I could have killed somebody else. And if, if I was that, like I said, I would not put myself in a truck if I knew I was that like I like that. Mm-hmm. If I had these things, I would want to be tested before I got into it. I think it's a good thing we should be testing drivers. The biggest thing when when we do get tired, what do you suppose? What's the best thing? You don't go get coffee. If you're tired, pull over, sleep. Yeah. Take that 15 minute nap. Take that 30 minute nap. You know. Sleep is the most important part. 
if you're having trouble sleeping, why wouldn't you have something in your truck to help you get that sleep? Mm-hmm. Like the CPAP machine. You got to help your got to help yourself. And if it means going, you know, going outside of that, you know, with a CPAP or something, you got to look out for you, but look out for me. Look out for my grandkids that are behind, out on the road. You know, I don't want drivers out it's, there doing it's that. It's a big responsibility. Very big. And, uh, Rich, thanks so much for your insight and, and, and sharing your story. I think, you know, fatigue is something that definitely mm-hmm. um, is, is a huge factor in our industry. And there are ways to combat it that don't involve more caffeine, oh. sleep pills and everything. I mean, yeah. talk to your doctor. That's the first place to start. But I'm very thankful, uh, you know, and I think I can speak for everybody else around here that you were not that first car yeah. at, at that stoplight, uh, that you got that wake up call, that no one was even injured, and that there was no mm-hmm. issue there, and, and that you've been able to have the answers and solutions uh, for you, even as extreme as they've been. I mean, that's pretty extreme and that's, that's, it's, I'm, I have to imagine there was some fear going into some of that, you know, like, what's this going to, I mean, what am I going to look like after this? Well, I definitely <laughs> look different. Let's put it that way. I speak different, like I said, because of the tongue reduction and those things like that, but, but some nerve damage, but so like s- someone that's known you all the, uh, all those years would know the difference. Me, I would have no clue. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's no indicator that that's the case. Yeah. Um, and so that, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's the positive out of that too. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a side positive that's not nearly as big of a deal yeah. as what, what you experienced. But uh, I think your story is an important one to share. And, you know, 99% probably of anybody listening to this um, will never have to deal with the same extreme measures that, that you've had to. Correct. But that first step of just better quality Sleep, life, mm-hmm. uh, your day-to-day uh, health. That's the important message that I'm trying to get across. You got to take that first step. You got to not 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 live in denial. Just get it done. Yeah. Get it done. If not for you or your family, your grandkids, your kids. Yeah. Thanks for that, Rich. Appreciate it. No problem. You. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.